And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible, episode 143, season 3, episode 34. The portion of the week here in Israel is known as Shlach. The portion of the portion of the reading this week outside of Israel is the portion known as Mahalotcha. I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a great week. Looking forward to today's conversation. Our subject this week is on triggering. Triggering is a big topic. We will not get to all of it. I just want to sort of uncover the surface of this subject, which is very much what triggering is about. And really actually hit triggering from two sides. A little bit of the positive side of triggering, if that's even possible, and the negative side of triggering, which is, I think, where people most often go in their minds when they hear the word trigger. What triggers you? Trigger warnings. I was triggered. It's a a popular term. It, It comes up in many different social environments, many different social locations. It's used quite a lot, and it requires unpacking, and I would say on some level, certainly requires coaching. Not to say that we're coaching a person away from being triggered, but we do want to sort of appreciate, maybe, is there a way, is there a way to work with someone who feels triggered, someone who has been triggered. And so, like, what are we, you know, what are we talking about here? Where does it come from? And so let's start here in the Bible, in this week's portion. So I think it's sort of a different aspect of a story that we've dealt with the last two years. A story of the spies in the first year. When we talked about the story of the spies, we talked about my favorite person in the Bible, Caleb and his courage. And last year we talked about trust. The trust that was placed in the spies for the mission, trusting relationships there between the people and the spies, the people and Moses, people and God, all part of the story. It's like a very, the story has many layers and great depth and a lot of, just a lot of, a lot of issues at play in there. And I think one of those things actually is the issue of being triggered. And I do think that that concept comes up actually twice in the portion, but I think actually the second time is on the flip side, is actually on the positive side, positive triggering, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes. But here I want to start with this. We think about the the spies themselves and the people themselves in that moment. You know, they're in the desert for already a while. They've had a lot go on. And then the spies... Are sent. And there's risk, obviously, in sending the spies. And we talked about risk. I mentioned it last week. I've talked about it before. Probably should come back to that subject and do a deep dive on risk. We can appreciate the, the emotional state of the people of Israel. And here we can differentiate between the emotional state of the spies, perhaps, and the emotional state of the people. What we can appreciate also is that, especially after last week, with the complaining and just the whole mess 
that goes on around the meat and all that other stuff and the plague that hits the, hits the, hits the, the nation, that their emotional state is rather fragile. As much as they may be believers in God, as much as that it may be that they experienced the, the, the revelation at Sinai, the Exodus, the crossing of the sea, all the other miracles, the manna falling from the heavens, it would appear, it would appear that they're not yet complete in terms of their recovery from all those experiences and that they're not yet let's say, strong as a nation and resilient in the face of some sort of adversity. Now, obviously, I'm speaking because, you know, ahead of, ahead of the story because I know the rest of the story, but already we've seen it before. It seems the smallest things sort of set them off. Or to use the term of the day, the smallest things seem to trigger the people. And so it is that when the spies are in the land and they see the giants and they see the large fruit and they see the enemies that live surrounding the land, assuming, let's say, they go with the right intention of coming back with a proper report, their experience or their, their emotional state in experiencing the land in that way, let's say... They're triggered by what they saw. And it comes across in how they speak. And yes, at that point, maybe if you want to be, you want to uh, sort of add an, an aspect of sabotage in their messaging, by all means, go right ahead. But at the same time, this was their experience. Their lived experience of the people of the land is that they saw them as grasshoppers. They're triggered. They're frazzled. They're scared. They can't do it. They can't go up. It unravels. The same thing on some level, I think, happens with the people. The moment, the moment that there is some sort of an emotional trigger in play, they fall apart. They simply just come apart at the seams. And so that is sort of what's going on here, right? Underneath the exterior of a people who live inside this protective cloud, who have God feeding them every day, who have Moses as a leader, who just experienced the revelation, who experienced the crossing of the sea, who experienced the plagues, who experienced the exodus, is that their, their, their state emotionally is vulnerable. On some level, some of this is an open wound. I'm sure we could go down the rabbit hole in terms of all the psychology, and I'm not a psychologist. I just play coach. And so there's a lot that's going on here. And so they're triggered by what comes back. And, and yes, the spies use certain terminology, which triggers it further, which only makes it worse, which only unravels even further what's going on inside the nation. There's no sort of recovery from that at that point. So what is a trigger? So I saw an article on the website of the Gottman Institute, uh, the following. Uh, a trigger is an issue that is sensitive to our heart, typically something from our childhood or previous relationship. Triggers are emotional buttons that we all possess. And when those buttons are pushed, we are reminded of a memory or a situation from the past. 
When we are triggered, all of our senses are heightened and we are reminded consciously or subconsciously of a previous life event. Perhaps in that event, we felt threatened or endangered. Our brains become wired to react to these triggers, usually surpassing logical, rational thought and going straight into a conditioned fight or flight response. Does it sound familiar? It should. It's exactly what's happening with the people in the desert there. And it's exactly what happens to us when we get triggered. Again, leave out all of how you might think or are opinionated about trigger warnings and all that other stuff that's going on in the world around us. The concept of being triggered precedes all of that stuff. And it's certainly something that we all experience on a regular basis and something that we have to work on. There are internal triggers, there are external triggers. There are positive triggers, there are negative triggers. In this case, in this moment, in this story, it's clearly a negative. But it's important for us to appreciate that that's what's going on here. And that avoiding the triggers and really not doing that stuff, not doing the work on our triggers, isn't helpful. Jonathan Haidt, in his book, The Coddling of the American Mind, actually makes the following statement. Avoiding triggers is a symptom of PTSD, not a treatment for it. It's a power book, his book. But it's really important that we appreciate sort of what's going on here. Uh, so really also another really great quote, which I think really sort of gets, this, gets to the heart of it, sort of if you want to visualize what's going on when we're getting triggered. And so it's like this, a quote from someone by the name of Carolyn Spring. I'm not sure who she is. Triggers are like little psychic explosions that crash through avoidance and bring the disassociated avoided trauma suddenly, unexpectedly, back into consciousness. And so maybe we buried it or it's, you know, we put it away and we thought, okay, we're past it. And then whatever it is that comes up, just pow. And suddenly it's there. It's getting your buttons pushed at a very high level. And then our buttons, our triggers are effectively our wounds. And so it's a question then of, of, of asking ourselves, well, will we deal with the wounds that we are living with? Or are we just going to try to sal, you know, put a salve on them as some sort of a Band-Aid and hope that that's enough to sort of keep us going? It really doesn't work. And so we have to sort of think about how we work with our triggers and how we do something about them and how we get stronger as people, more resilient, as in the case of the people in the desert, as a nation for what's ahead of them, or just in our own lives, how we're able uh, to do this and how we're able to go about this work. And we know this, that triggers can happen when we least expect them. They can happen at any moment. They can happen from really anything, even if we have worked on it or we're resilient or we feel like we have accomplished and done something with respect to something that was an open wound or an emotional state that we've worked and dealt with, it can pop up in an instant and we're not necessarily always prepared for it. And so we have to do the work around the things that trigger us. I want to bring in here for just a minute the positive side of triggering as well. In his book, uh, The Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about triggers as well. But he's talking about triggers from the completely opposite perspective in the ability of positive triggers that help us, that cue us towards better behavior. And so when we're working on 
our habits or trying to improve our habits to become better as human beings and to improve our condition in life, the first thing in what's called the habit loop is a cue. C-U-E, a cue. What are the cues that set you in motion towards the actions that are going to make you better? These are what he calls habit cues, or the term we might want to say, habit triggers. And there are, he describes, five different uh, habit triggers that are on the positive side of this. They're neutral, but basically you can use them to improve your condition in terms of queuing up your habits. So think about this. If there's something that you do on a consistent and regular basis day to day, what's sort of the thing that you do right before it that triggers that behavior? What are the things that you can put into motion that sort of trigger that behavior? So the number one of the five, and I'll only do one here today, is time. Time is probably the most common trigger. That's what the way he writes it. You wake up in the morning, and then that triggers a set of habits and actions and rituals and behaviors that are just, you, you do them almost unconsciously. So, boom, you woke up in the morning, you open your eyes, and immediately you can think through the list of things that you do without even thinking. You get out of your bed, you go into, let's say, the restroom, you wash up, brush your teeth, whatever that is, you come out, you get dressed, next activity. So in the religious community, maybe that's prayer. In other places, maybe that's breakfast. In other places, maybe that's you, you put your sneakers on and then boom, exercise, right? And so your, your time is your first trigger for what's going on in the course of our day. And it can be used as a positive trigger, as a habit cue, right? Trigger, flip out the word trigger, put the word cue in there, and it can cue positivity in our lives. The reason I mentioned the positive side is also because I think it does come up in the Bible this week as well, and I'll mention it only briefly here because I want to come back to the negative side because we love the negatives, right? Is at the end of the portion, the end, end, end of the portion, there is a brief mentioning in just a few verses of the commandment for to wear what's called tzitzit, right? So we wear the strings that our people see hanging from our clothing and a four-cornered garment and so on and so forth. And one of the parts of that commandment is the commandment that among the strings, one of them should be blue, right? And so why? And so one of the commentaries mentioned, I'm pretty sure this is a Talmudic statement, uh, is the idea that, well, if you see the blue, the blue will remind you of the sea, which will remind you of the sky, which will remind you of the chair of God. That's how that works. That's the sequence of it. Now, we can go into that sequence because it's super interesting to sort of go into that, but think about what's happening there. The blue on your, on your string that's hanging from your clothing is a, finish the sentence, it's a trigger. It's to trigger your mindset, your thinking, your spirituality, your connection to the next trigger, which is that the, the color of the blue reminds you of the sea. And then, boom, that triggers you to think of the sky. And, boom, that triggers you to think about God. That is in the same space, on, you know, if you want to sort of think about it as the James Clear idea, positive triggers, the things that you're going to do, which are going to trigger you positively, which are going to cue you positively, which are going to push your buttons in a positive sense towards a better life and towards a stronger life, a more resilient life 
kind of thing. And so that's the thing that you want to think about. James Clear writes about the idea that every Monday and Thursday, he writes an article and publishes it online, right? So that's his time trigger. For you, it might be waking up in the morning, might be a certain time where you have your first phone call of the day and it sets you in motion or you, you've established a certain routine of habits and behaviors that gets you into that mode. So you get the idea that triggering, actually there is a positive there's a positive idea about triggering. I think there's a lot of positive in actually triggering because I think it requires us and forces us to do the work on ourselves that we don't actually want to do in the future. So how do we then work on the triggers that are existing in our world? Like, what do we do with them? How do we get better uh, at it? So the first thing I think is, you know, and I read this in a bunch of places, it's hard to sort of uh, uh, accept this, but was a tip or a strategy called Q-tip right? Q-tip. What does Q-tip stand for? Q-tip stands for quit taking it personally. Quit taking it personally. Get it? Because what's happening very often when we're triggered is that if it's an external trigger, it's coming from somebody else. So we're taking their words or their actions and we're, we're sort of, you know, cutting and pasting it on top of us, and that's bringing out the emotion in ourselves. And so we're interpreting someone else's words or actions. This also comes from one of the articles on Gottman's website. Uh, We're interpreting someone else's words or actions to be a comment about us, and we're taking, uh, taking another person's feelings personally. So the truth is that that's them. That's their story. That's their emotional state. That's who they are. That's where they are. They might be projecting that on you. They might be somehow sort of, you know, uh, getting their getting their teeth, sinking their teeth into you with how they feel or how they behave or how they think, and you're applying it to yourself. So quit taking it personally. That's them. Try to keep that separate. Try to keep it out of you. Try not to let that influence how you think about yourself, what's going on. It's an external trigger, but it sort of plays with your mind to some degree or it plays with the standard that you set for yourself as a human being. And now you're in this state where you're, you're upset, you're angry, whatever that is. So quit taking it, but it's hard to sort of do that. But let's take it a little bit, maybe, maybe a different way to sort of think about it. Number one, with respect to triggering, notice the things that trigger you. So notice what it is that a person says or does, or notice what it is that you say or you do that then brings you to some sort of what might be termed an overloaded response, sort of an extreme emotional response to that. Great example brought up in the same article on Gottman. So... Our child is struggling to get something done and they're whining about it, they're screaming about it, they're crying about it. And we unload on them as a result. Like nothing that they're doing is serious or severe. It's like innocuous, but it's maybe, maybe it's annoying to us. But they're whining and they're screaming and they're yelling and they can't make a sandwich, they can't put their, their jacket on, whatever, they can't tie their shoe and just like we unload. So you have to sort of think of like, okay, like, why did I re- why did I react? 
Why did I respond so forcefully, so loudly, with so much heat, with so much passion to something so small as this? So overreacting to these situations is very much a, a sign of us being triggered by it. We sort of have to think about why that is. Noticing what triggers us allows us to begin to do the work on what actually is being triggered. So we can work on the trigger itself. We can prepare for it mentally. We can build up strategies around it. And then the second part of that is actually what's the trauma maybe perhaps behind that. The second way perhaps, which I love less, is sort of being much more mindful about everything that's going on. I think that's harder than sort of being, just sort of paying attention and noticing everything that's going on. So you can, you can try by being mindful. So when we allow ourselves to really reflect, you know, post those moments and meditate on them, and sometimes even in the moment where we sort of stop and say like, okay, this is, I feel this is triggering me a certain way. So we can, you know, try to get into a space where we can sort of, you know, begin to try to control it and, 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 and be objective about it. Again, not judging it because judging us ourselves doesn't help in these moments. It only makes it worse. But acknowledging it, becoming aware of it, being aware of it, trying to understand it, objectively, it allows us to sort of work through it in a better in a better way. And so we have to sort of think about this in this way, right? So if you're being provoked or if it's bringing something up, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. We, we're, we, it, it allows us to really do the work. Yes, we're probably reliving some sort of a trauma that we experienced, but it allows us to, to become better and it allows us to do the work that we need to do to actually improve you know, what they are. Again, the different kinds of triggers that may exist, internal, external, and so on. All of them, it's important that we do the work. It is important that when we're working with someone to really do the work and, under, and appreciate, okay, what, what's going on here? You know, what's... What is it that's making you feel unwanted? What's here that's making you feel um, misunderstood? What's going on here that makes you feel like you're less than, right? All those things that come up. What are all the questions, you know, like what are all the things that are going on in your mind with respect to the triggers that are going on in your life? And so spending the time doing the work on this, you know, gets you there, right? So if we're able to even just take the first part of this, which is unpacking and identifying the triggers and the patterns and those behaviors, is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a time of day? Is it an event? Like what, what's bringing that about? If you're able to start there and simply first put a name on it, like when does it happen? With who? With whom? I don't know. One of those two, with who or with whom does it happen? Does this get triggered? And then you can start to do the unpacking, right? So there's a lot of phases in, in establishing how you go about how you go about that business. And, and, and it's obviously unique and different and special for each person when they're trying to go about it and they're trying to get better at it in the future. But it is something that we can actually do. Now, yes, of course, as I said to you earlier, simply like quit taking it personally, that's great. Um, but, you know... 
we can be there for somebody who has been triggered. We can help them work it through, not by judging them, not by, you know, making them feel bad about being triggered, but, you know, seeking to understand, right? I'm going to say this, seeking to understand before being understood, but really listening, really getting, you know, that level of empathy that needs to be there for them, you know, being compassionate with them in those spaces and really trying to help them if they want to be helped to try to unpack the triggering that's going on. And so what you get here is this sort of idea that triggering exists. Most often we think about it in the negative sense. There is a positive aspect to triggering as well. And it's incumbent upon us if we do want to move ahead in our lives, we do want to improve. I think triggering is a really important thing that we have to work on. We have to really unpack. We really have to understand. I think once we were able to do that, we find ourselves in a position to really get better at what it is. So here we go with the end with a quote, as always. This is a quote from a woman by the name of Iyanla Van Zant, who is, I believe, a life coach, relationship coach, motivational speaker. She said as follows, your greatest adversary is also your greatest teacher. Like it or not, it is the job of certain people to bring out the worst in you. What they trigger is already in you. They are here to reveal the sore, tender, wounded places in your heart and mind, and they are providing you with a wonderful and divine opportunity for healing. When we look at it that way, and we do the work that we're trying to do, and we're trying to improve, then the triggering is less powerful, the triggering is less impactful negatively, and actually then becomes a tool for us to get better in our lives. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. I look forward to seeing you next week.